You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. Joining us to talk about his campaign for auditor in the Republican primary on September 6th before November's general election is Anthony Amore. Anthony Amore brings more than 30 years of experience in investigations, audits, and inspections in both the public and private sector. Having served as a federal agent, senior Homeland Security official, and a museum security director, he's also the author of three best-selling books, including the New York Times crime bestseller, The Art of the Con, which dissected high-value fraud schemes in the art world. He has an extensive experience in rehabilitating major programs. He's also had the distinction of serving on the leadership team that rebuilt security at Logan Airport following the attacks on September 11th and later at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. He also serves as an instructor at Harvard University's Division of Continuing Education. Anthony provides volunteer service on advisory boards for the nonprofit Ideas Beyond Borders and Northeastern University's Homeland Security Center of Excellence. He also volunteers his time to the Massachusetts Historical Society and led a successful campaign against ranked choice voting in Massachusetts in 2020. Anthony, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm well, Travis. Thank you very much for having me. With everything you've got going on, uh, such an extensive career, such a, a busy career, uh, what makes you want to run for the role of auditor now? Well, um, I've always been driven to public service, and I, I consider my entire career public service. But, you know, um, I've raised two daughters. They're both adults now, but I also help raise an eight-year-old. And I'm acutely aware of the impact that uh, inflation has on families right now and how it's really hitting people in the pocketbook. And I think that uh, auditor gives me the opportunity to make an impact in ensuring people's tax dollars are being well spent. I mean, I can't think of a more important time to have a fiscal watchdog um, in place that provides a counterbalance on Beacon Hill. Uh, I, I see myself as an independent auditor. That's how I envision it. And um, I think that the opportunity to bring transparency to the office as well, these are things that really uh, tug at my heartstrings. They're the, the things about good government that attract me to, to uh, public service. And it's what I studied in graduate school as well. So it just seems like a perfect fit for me. And we talk about your extensive career, which we mentioned during the intro. What would you say is like the one aspect of your career and your skill set that really sets you apart from the other candidates in the field? Thank you for asking that. I think... Um, I spent, well, there's, there's a couple. I would say the first that comes to mind is I spent a significant am amount of time, the better part of a decade, um, doing compliance and enforcement for the federal government. So I have firsthand knowledge as an agent going into um, government required programs and opening them up and looking in the books and making sure that um, entities are in compliance on really important matters. Um, and after I was an agent doing that, when Homeland Security took over, I led the compliance and enforcement branch in, uh, in Boston, which is a, really a large job. And I uh, had a team of a, a few dozen um, inspectors working for me, going and doing that work themselves. So I've overseen teams doing this. I've done it hands-on myself. I've led large teams. Um, I think these are really key. Uh, pieces of my experience that that the frankly the Democratic opponents don't have. Anthony, when you look at the role of auditor, what do you believe is the most important duty or responsibility? I know you mentioned inflation impact, but also ensuring that our tax dollars are well spent. Which one of those two would you say is the most important? 
Oh, very easily, it's the latter. Um, I think that the auditor has the responsibility to go to Beacon Hill and um, make sure that tax dollars are spent efficiently um, with the best interest of the taxpayer in mind. I see the auditor, not I, my goal is not to be the Republican auditor, it is to be the auditor for the people and to make sure that every single penny that comes out of the consumer's pocket, the taxpayer's pocket, and ends up in uh, government's hands at the state level is spent understanding that that money uh, came uh, from the, the sweat on the brow of the taxpayer and that it needs to be spent with that in mind. You know, I, I've always maintained that it's very important for government to remember that it is not their money. It's the taxpayer's money. And the government has to be an efficient, responsible, ethical steward of that money. And that's what I think the auditor is intended to do, is to be the watchdog to make sure that that's how agencies are behaving. Now, if you are elected to serve as the auditor for the people um, as you're billing yourself, what would be your first priority on day one? Is there any aspect that you think really needs to be looked at right away? Yes, and um, it would be an internal look. I think the auditor's office has to be looked at right away. Before we can cast our eyes in other agencies, we have to turn them internally. And the reason I say this is because I know that the auditor is statutorily required to audit all 210 agencies once every three years. And that hasn't happened in quite some time. And I wanna know why. Um, I'm not gonna go and make assumptions, I'm gonna find out. And then I'm gonna correct those problems. And then with a, a, a more efficient team, a more effective team, a team filled with vigor, we're gonna turn our eyes to those 210 state agencies. But first I wanna make sure we have our house in order. And can you talk a little bit more about your long-term plans? Uh, when you talk about that internal audit kind of being the first priority, what other uh, big changes would you like to see brought to the role of auditor and how that role is conducted? Well, it's I would say there's two parts to that. First, I would want to make sure that politics is not part of the office anymore. Um, uh, uh, political campaigns won't be run out of the auditor's office. I can promise you that. Um, and I also won't be conducting audits based on who's governor. Uh, you know, everybody is subject to an audit and they will all be audited uh, vigorously. Um, second part of that, I think, is um, I'm a great supporter of the work of Governor Baker and Lieutenant Governor Polito. And I think they've done great work on things like um, the MBTA, uh, investments in it, improvements in it, um, getting um, people uh, out of hotels and motels who are struggling with housing and putting them into sustainable housing for themselves. Um, for instance, uh, one of my favorite examples is the Health Connector. When the governor came into office, the Health Connector was a disaster, and now it's a national model. These things can't be undone once this team leaves in January of 2023. So I want to make sure that this model of efficient, smart, fiscally responsible government is uh, something that lasts well beyond the departure of uh, Governor Baker and Lieutenant Governor Polito. So my vision is to continue this trend that I think we've seen in Massachusetts. I think it's something to be said for the fact that we haven't had corruption scandals um, out of the corner office. And that's <laughs> in New England and in Massachusetts, that's refreshing, right? And I wanna make sure that there's a watchdog 
on Beacon Hill to make sure that checks and balances are in place, Travis. Checks and balances is my long-term goal. My long-term goal is transparency. Um, again, being an independent auditor for the people on Beacon Hill is what I see as a vision for this office. This isn't as much of a high-profile race as, as you know, like the governor, lieutenant governor, but do you feel the role of auditor really has, a, has an opportunity to improve the Commonwealth and kind of keep us on this trajectory that you're talking about? Without a doubt, and you're exactly right. It is not a high-profile race. People, you know, when I talk to people and ask them if they know what the auditor does, most people don't, and you have to educate them. But I think that's part of transparency. I think that if you have an auditor who's informing the public of their findings and making these findings accessible to them, then you'll have more engagement, more understanding. For instance, if you go on the auditor's website right now, you can read their audits. You can search for them and read them. And um, what you'll find are 15 to 20 page documents. And I wonder who has the time to read these. They're important and they should be accessible. But I, I envision a database where if Travis is looking to work with a certain agency, uh, um, DCR, he can go into that database and look at DCR and see what were the findings in the last year? What type of problems do we have with, with this agency? Um, as, as a taxpayer, is my problem unique? Is this something I should bring to the attention of the auditor's office? I want to have a robust whistleblower program as well. So I think that you can raise the profile of the auditor. It shouldn't be lost on your listeners that the, for the last 80 years, going on 81, Massachusetts has had a Democrat as its auditor. And when you consider that we're essentially a one-party state, it's not surprising that the auditor doesn't get a lot of attention, right? Um, the auditor is not a position where uh, a, a, the party in power would want a lot of spotlight, right? But it's it doesn't report to the legislature. It's a constitutional office. I think it's really important that the auditor report to the people. So I will work to make sure that our information is easily found and understandable for the public. When you talk about that transparency, making it easier to search through these audits, do you think we need to make a kind of digital upgrade to the auditor's office if you're elected in November? Absolutely, yes. I envision this database for the public where they can go in and easily find this information. If they decide they'd like to read the long report, more power to them. These re reports are important. I'm not, I'm not um, um, dismissing them in any way. They're essential. Mm -hmm. But people don't have time to read long audits, right? Um, I often ask people on the campaign trail, have you ever read an audit out of the auditor's office? And they haven't, and it's not an insult to them or the auditor's office, except for the fact that the findings are not made public. They're not easily found. And I think it's incumbent for a auditor to not just make findings uh, easily accessible, but also to show what you did to follow up. So there needs to be supplemental inspections to determine whether, you know, is the auditor going to be an office where you go in and a department, you find three problems, you report them and you move on? I don't think that's the way it should operate. I think the auditor's office should be uh, uh, an office where you find these problems, you tell the public about them and you follow up to see if improvements have been made um, and keep the public informed the entire time. In your conversations with potential voters, when you talk to them about the auditor's office, um, I know you mentioned inflation being an issue and also needing to audit the auditor's office. Are there any other potential areas that you think need to be explored 
if you're elected in November? Yeah, you know, when I talk to people, it's not uh, surprising that um, one of the things that comes up is the cost of higher education. And um, I think that goes hand in hand with the cost of living and inflation problems. But everyone will admit that higher education is very expensive, that we do have a student debt crisis in this country and Massachusetts is not exempt from that. And I would like to know uh, where is the money going in state universities and colleges? Um, you know, I have a daughter that's at UMass Amherst. And when I walk around the campus with her, I see new construction. And perhaps it's perfectly uh, suitable and needed, and it could be perfectly efficient, but I would like to know. Mm -hmm. I would like to know where those tuition dollars and tax dollars are going. I would add that it's really um, curious to me that if you build a dorm room in at UMass Boston, that it costs significantly more than to build one at Salem State, which is what, 15 miles away, maybe? Um, if you build a parking lot at UMass Boston, the parking spots cost significantly more than they would at a suburban institution. Why? Why is that so? And I want to know. And when I find out, I want the taxpayers to know. These are things they should understand. You look at the business community, they're really busy uh, out here in North Central Mass. They might have trouble kind of saying, you know, how exactly can the auditor's office help improve the business climate for my small business? You know, how can this office in Boston, help what's going on with my business? Well, two ways. First, the auditor can listen to those business owners and hear what's affecting them, you know, not just relying on what the Boston Globe is reporting, um, but talking to the people and asking them. You know, I, I've learned a lot from talking to contractors and such about their struggles and the cost of doing business. Um, I think what the auditor can do is turn around and say, okay, you're paying X amount of dollars for uh, payroll tax in Massachusetts. Um, Where's it going? Is it being spent efficiently? Um, I think business owners want a custodian like that, a watchdog making sure like, listen, it's expensive to do business here, but we know that at least somebody's you know, mining uh, how it's being spent. Is there anything else that really affects the business climate uh, that involves the auditor's office? Um, I think the primary thing has to do with um, uh, the efficient cust uh, custodianship of the money. But I would also add that the, the auditor's office touches a lot of different parts of um, consumer life. For instance, making sure that um, uh, benefits to needy people aren't being abused and misused and uh, that illegal activity isn't going on. And it's important to make sure that the money that's going to consumers to spend at these businesses is going to the right people and helping the right people. And I think when you have consumers that are getting what they deserve and the money is being well spent, that businesses will prosper as well. Now, Anthony, I'm going to put you on the clock. And if you had 60 seconds to convince me or any of our listeners why you should have our vote to be the next state auditor for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. What would you say? I'm going to put you on the clock starting right now. I would tell the voters of Massachusetts that in this race, there's only one person who has done work that's applicable to the auditor's office, and that's me. And I've not just done it. I've done it for three decades. Um, I've done it well. I've been awarded for my work by the federal government. I also would add that I'm the only person running for auditor in this race 
that has managed groups of people. I've managed teams ranging from a few dozen to 1,200. Um, it's essential for a person that's going into a government executive office to have that experience. My two democratic challengers do not. Um, and government, a large government organization shouldn't be handed over to people where they, uh, they're you know, on, on the job training in terms of leading a large organization. I've done it and I've done it in this field and I'm the only one that has and I'm asking for your vote. And where can listeners go if they want to learn more information about your campaign? I would urge people to go to my website, which is www.amore2022.com. And there you can read about me. And um, of course, I need your financial support. Campaigns are expensive. And if you believe in having a fear but fearless watchdog on Beacon Hill, I ask for your support. Now, Anthony, I would be remiss if I didn't ask just because I know your, your history and your background, but do you know who took the paintings from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum? Well, I would say that um, we announced in 2013, and I say we, it was me and the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office that we believe we know who took the paintings. But in art theft, um, the, the unique problem art theft investigators face is that the case is not solved until the paintings are back. Mm -hmm. And getting those paintings is a, a far cry from knowing who took them. You know, 32 years have elapsed. So the people who actually took them off the walls in March 18 of 1990, um, where are they today? And that's the only question that matters to me. I don't care about prosecutions or the rest. I want to pay somebody $10 million for information that leads me directly to the art. And I do believe we will get there. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. This has been another election series episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. I'd like to thank Anthony Amore for taking the time to talk to us about his platform as the Republican candidate in the race for auditor. The primary is scheduled for September 6th, the general election. Primaries are happening on September 6th. The general election is slated for November 8th. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.